Hello, this is First Generation, a program from yogis, about yogis, and for yogis. Today, we are going to introduce Kathleen Thompson, and she has some kind of a past. She was only 14 years old when she drank and used drugs for the very first time, and what started out as an occasional escape from reality ended in a serious addiction. And when she tried to stop it, she learned that it was a mission impossible without professional help. Rehab, counseling, and Narcotics Anonymous, a 12-step program, helped her over the worst. Finally, 
1996, she got introduced to Sahaja Yoga by her second eldest brother who already practiced Sahaja meditation for a number of years. At first, she was too interested in following up with the meditation. But her brother kept nagging that she should go to the program and seeing eight of her ten siblings gradually turning towards meditation encouraged her to finally visit the weekly meditation meetings for herself in 2003. During this time she also completed a couple of degrees including a Bachelor of Social Work. Now Kathleen is 34 years old and happy as a fish. At the shores of a beautiful lake in Barrie, she told us her story. What I was doing before wasn't working. I was going to 12-step meetings, and they were helpful in a lot of ways. And I, I have respect for, for the program, actually, because it was very helpful at a different point in my life. But it only took me so far, and then I was continuing to seek. And what that was was that connection with God that I didn't have. I had a community of people who were, you know, clean and like abstaining from drugs and alcohol and that kind of thing, but I was really missing the spiritual piece. So more and more I felt that absence and that was what drew me closer to the Sahaja Yoga meetings. Well, 12-step meetings, the most famous would be Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it's uh, They're all over the place now for any variety of problems. I think at last count there was like 88 different anonymous. I was going to Narcotics Anonymous, just more specifically just with troubles I had when I was younger with drugs. And uh, But they have like Gamblers Anonymous. Anyway, so they have different anonymous programs um, for different problems. But with the 12 steps, what it is, is about, it's about looking at yourself very much. And in fact, in, in my opinion, with all due respect, <laughs> in too much detail and way too much focus on the past. And you have to talk about what happened and what you did. And you have to identify character defects. And so you are, you are forced to look at yourself. Um, you have to, you know, and it's out of desperation, you know, in fear of, of, of returning to a life of drinking and drugs that you do. So as I said, it was effective. You needed to face that, but but it was without that connection within. There was a lot of spirituality, but it was a lot of, you know, come to your own understanding. Because what I found in talking with a lot of people that were at 12-step meetings with me is that a lot of people had had really negative experiences with churches and religions and, you know, problems upbringing and that kind of thing. So the concept of higher power is in a 12-step program, and it's whatever you conceive that power to be, as long as it's loving, uh, caring, and greater than yourself. So I had these kinds of ideas of what I would like it to be, but I was very much left to my own devices as to specifically how I would how that would manifest and actually one of the 12 steps is sought through prayer and meditation to improve your conscious contact with the God of your understanding so it's all spelled out there but what I needed was a way to be able to have that conscious contact 
a practical way, an effective way to be able to meditate. So Sahaja Yoga was like the perfect addition onto, you know, what I, the work I had already done. You know, and that was a funny thing, because I used to, even in... Um, like getting clean or whatever I kind of wanted it to be like this big like lightning bolt thunder clashing or whatever my spiritual experience has been much more subtle and what it is is when I'm crying and when I'm doubting and when I'm in pain and feeling like I'm going into some depression again and I sit down and I light the little candle it's all I can do to go downstairs and light a little candle in front of Shumanaji's picture and I just sit there and cry and say mother please help me and something happens it, I, something changes I'm not crying anymore after a little while and I go upstairs and I feel different so I mean that's not a big you know lightning bolt you know miracle kind of thing but for me that's that's what it has been a series of these small ways of just seeing life differently I started I, I did my school my bachelor social work degree um, and started working for a child protection agency. So kind of like what people think that is, you know, it's, uh, you know, having to go in and make sure children aren't being abused by their parents and making sure homes are safe for children to live and that kind of thing. So that started my work career. And actually that's, it's interesting to talk about work because the parallel with that and Sahaja Yoga was that I would go home and in tears about the things that I had seen and my worries about these kids that I had met and I remember my husband said to me Kathleen you can't invite them into our home like this meaning like the families and the kids that I work with you can't keep bringing them into our kitchen <laughs> I remember that conversation because I was saying I don't know what to do and I was talking to him and he said you know you can't tell me about these people and of course I can I knew that but I would have to tell him how it made me feel and and I knew something wasn't right it was just really imbalanced and really wrapped up in these families and so my work now, I mean, I'm not in that field specifically. I'm not in protection anymore, but doing what I do in the schools and working with marginalized families and families with a lot of complex issues is that now I go home and I don't, they don't keep me up at night. I don't invite them home. I'm able to detach and I'm able to just witness that these families are going through these struggles and I can gently steer them in the right direction. I can offer some solutions if they're open, but no, I... Sahaja Yoga helped me with that too because I was able to just be a witness to these people and just gently guide them as they were seeking themselves because I understand about the seeking absolutely is reminding them that they have the ability themselves to do this. Sometimes, you know, we think, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. And of course, the Hajj Yoga helps with that. But for people who haven't found the Hajj Yoga or maybe aren't interested or it's not the right time or whatever, is that sometimes it's just reminding them that they have qualities and skills and abilities, you know, within themselves. And just to give them that confidence, especially parents, you know, with kids, and they got to come into the schools and the the teachers are making suggestions that maybe they're not the best parents. You know, it's sometimes it's a very personal thing. 
you know, acknowledging that, you know, there's problems with your, with your kids and that it may, you know, they feel like it's a reflection on their parenting. I just remind them that that's not the case most of the time. <laughs> really, the biggest thing is, and to be entirely honest, I, I'm still hanging on, and I know that's a choice. It's something that I'm still choosing to do. But what has healed the most is, I've, is forgiveness. I've forgiven myself. And I choose sometimes to still hang on, you know, and all that stuff from the past, right? Like, all the messing about and everything. You know, I kind of have a pool of things to go on that I could feel bad about at any given point. Or I could be hard on myself about, you know. It took me a while to get my my act together, you know. Um, See, and even that, even me saying it that way, that implies that somehow I was, you know, had some kind of control over the situation. And that's not the case. This is all unfolding the way it was supposed to. It's when I take back that control and start to think, oh, I really messed up my life. I made some pretty brutal choices, I admit that. But when I somehow think that it was my fault and that I can't forgive myself for that, that's, that's just nonsense. Because I know, I don't know, I don't know it, I don't know it, it just feels different. I've been able to forgive myself and let go of that stuff from the past. And every once in a while, it kind of comes back. It comes back in weird little things. Like, I see someone I used to know, or I'm back downtown Kitchener, and I kind of get the willies, you know, it doesn't feel so great. Maybe Does everyone get that when they go downtown Kitchener, or just me? <laughs> yeah, it has its little dark corners. There's every Everybody in their life has, you know, those dark corners in everyone's life, right? But... So I can always choose to go back and think about that. But it seems like a different life. And that I've been able to very gently and very slowly and patiently forgive myself for that. And not feel guilty about, you know, doing this or that or, you know, losing this friendship or that relationship. Not, like none of that. It's just, that's just fallen to the side. It's quite lovely actually because that's when I realized that it's God at work and not me because it kind of took me by surprise. <laughs> you know? dream uh, that happened just recently I had this ear problem I had lost some hearing in one of my ears I don't know why I thought it was like from swimming or something like that that's what it felt like it felt like I needed to just you know whatever like pop it and it wasn't getting better and the doctor was like uh, you know basically get used to it like it's that's you just have some hearing loss in that ear and I had this dream and Shimadji was um uh, sitting in a chair and, and I had gone up to her everyone was supposed to leave because she's a little you know she's older and everyone said she's tired she needs to rest and me and my friend Reg had snuck back in to see her <laughs> then they pushed us out again and I went back in I snuck in again so it was just me and her and I was crouched down next to her and she was sitting in a chair and it was kind of like I was like a kid you know like on my knees and my hands were kind of in her lap and I said Shumanaji are you really the Adi Shakti like are you really God and she said yes actually I am and so I bowed down at her feet and was just touching her feet gently. And she, I was wearing a, a hooded sweatshirt. I had this hoodie on. And as I was bowing down, she put the hood of my sweater over my head and put her hands over the top of my head and down over the sides of my, my head, like kind of just, you know, just holding my head in her hands. 
And, uh, and I woke up right after that and realized that my hearing was back. Totally. 100%. I tried to tell that story to the ear doctor and it didn't really work. I basically just said, you know, it's a miracle. And he said, oh, there's one for the books. <laughs> so, but I, I have, now I'm trying to think, I, I write them down because, you know, dreams are funny. They kind of come and go. There's a few that, with her that I don't forget, but I've written them down because I like reading that. And you know what I was talking about, like, not the big lightning bolt miracles but the subtleties is when I go back and read about the dreams in which you know Shumataji comes to visit me as just these gentle reminders that she's all mine and I'm all hers and that you know I'm okay and I'm cared for because I always feel like I'm always wrapped up in myself is to just detach from myself too and I know that people are always looking for something more and and seeking that truth in my experiment it's it's the it's the truth